Welcome to Coffee and Change, a podcast where we talk about change in our lives, our work, and our world, and how we're managing it. On today's episode, I'm joined by a guest who I have long wanted to have on the podcast. She's also a good friend. Ms. Casey Linegar is a full-time working professional who provides project management, advisory, and change management consulting to Fortune 500 companies around the world. She's also a wife, a business owner, a mother to three gorgeous little girls, ages eight and six, or identical twins. She's an avid equestrian. She loves running. She's an owner of two dogs. You can tell she's got a lot going on. And so I thought it would be great to catch up with Casey and capture her perspective, not only as a change management expert, but as a parent going through all these changes during this global pandemic. I think you'll enjoy the discussion. so much, Bill, for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. I have been dying to uh, have these types of deep conversations with you. So um, to start, I am sitting here in my home office. uh, So I can imagine that many of your listeners will relate to this exact scenario. I have a full-time working spouse in our bedroom set up. Um, We both are working 40 to 50 hours every week. And, um, and have been doing this for about a month now in this current arrangement. I have three little girls, ages eight, six, and six. So identical twin girls um, that uh, the six-year-olds are in kindergarten, my eight-year-olds in second grade. Uh, they are, I'm grateful they are with my mom today. So that is a blessing and something that we take advantage of if we can during our week to break it up. So uh, I have been a career consultant. I would say that this remote environment is something I am familiar with because I have supported um, and am supporting global clients. And so I am certainly familiar with engaging uh, with clients across multiple time zones, uh, multiple uh, countries, um, a variety of different industries, uh, public and private sector and when I say career consultant, I really fell into change management because I had a um, a love for the federal government and wanted to work with them in some capacity. And shockingly, it was easier to come in as a consultant than to get directly employed with the federal government. And um, and and I started that through IBM, which Bill, as you know, that's where we met, and uh, I had the opportunity to work with you for for some years there and and um, learn quite a bit from you as well. Um, so. I have stayed in that path and essentially just grown from that path. So interestingly, I have never been a client. I have always been on the consulting side, but I did start out from a large you know, firm environment via IBM and then slowly worked down into um, smaller boutique consulting firms and then landed where I am now, which is with my own independent consulting company. It is me, myself, and I. Um, I do uh, work closely with a lot of other consultants in the in, with the clients that I'm working for. So I have done a variety of direct independent contracting and consulting with large oil and gas firms. Um, currently, I support a team or lead a team of 15 consultants working with uh, a major top five oil and, and gas player that's on a global scale. And I also then, in parallel, am providing coaching, executive coaching support to other 
um, large oil and gas firms um, in tandem. So as you can imagine, it's a very busy environment, very busy world. And I would say that this uh, pandemic has uh, has introduced what we've called a pivot point. I've heard that word thrown around in the media and with uh, quite a few other clients and, and friends. And I think it's a great descriptor because what we thought was a norm or a normal way of, of, of living and working has essentially been flipped on its head. And uh, and it's been a great opportunity to take full advantage of my change management experience and skills and apply it both to my personal life, uh, my children's educational life, and then, of course, uh, use that uh, with my clients and, and, and really have to have to focus on that with my clients as we're going through this, this rad, you know, rather massive change uh, worldwide. I appreciate that, um, that intro. That's a lot of... Um useful experience, I imagine, right now. Um, and I and I would love to dig in a little bit on, um, you talked about the education part of it and being a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I have no doubt that you're using every one of the change management skills and techniques that you and I both learned um, when we worked together and that we've since refined over, you know, almost two decades. Um, Talk to me a little bit. I had the opportunity to uh, connect with you last week, and I shared a conversation that um, I have had with some principals, and it was very eye-opening and understanding what this experience has been like for schools, for families, and for parents. Um, What is this like for you as a parent where you're at, um, given your background? uh, Can you walk us through a little bit about what that pivot point has been like having all your children at home? Um, remote learning, virtual learning, um, the technology. I mean, I'm reading so many different stories and anecdotes. I would just love to hear your experience. Absolutely. So I would say one of the biggest uh, pieces that has been very evident to me is that as much as I'd like to say that um, I'm a change expert um, and the focus there, uh, first and foremost, I'm human. And, and so I have gone through the, what we like to call the change curve, right? The, the myriad of emotions that have, have encountered, you know, change that essentially, if we had our way of, of planning for this, it would, we would take two years to plan for something as massive of a change as has been literally thrown on us. I went away with my kids for spring break. And we got home that Sunday, and that Monday is when everything shut down. So we literally came back from a vacation environment to a whole new world, Um, one that we couldn't see our friends, couldn't see our family, couldn't go to the grocery store, uh, one where there was great need in our community where they where folks didn't have protective gear. So I know that what I'm describing is is very consistent across the country and the world, and um, and so it's no different. But but. I would say that even though I'm aware of when a change happens, this is what you would one might go through or experience. That doesn't make what I've experienced personally any less real. And so I went through, um, you know, frustration, overwhelm, uh, you know, trying to react and and feel like I was the voice of reason with my kiddos and my husband. I would say that first week um, was a really wonderful one, interestingly, where we all kind of buckled down. We went into reactive mode. It's kind of what exactly happens during a period of crisis. You immediately flip on the you know, how do we solve this? what What do we need to do to get through this? Um, the adrenaline was high. I remember not sleeping at all. Um, that week, the school districts were 
were reeling, um, but they did a lovely job of just saying, hey, parents and students sit tight. We will have more guidance for you Friday. So that was, you know, five days they took to plan. And sure enough, um, that Friday, we received additional guidance on what would be expected the, the, in the weeks to come. And, and so that first week is what I would call is the honeymoon period. And that's not inconsistent with what you see during any given change, right? You, people get really excited. They think, oh, it's something new, something different. Um, they're ready for it. They're reacting to it. Um, so I would say that was definitely a really positive time. Uh, and then as more clarity and definition came um, in terms of, ex, you know, what the expectations were for the students and, and then, frankly, the parents. That's when reality hit, and um, and I ended up diving off the cliff into a very frustrated state um, as I was trying to then juggle, you know, three kiddos at home, working full time, a full time working spouse, and um, and then all all of a sudden being thrust into a a, a teacher role, um, and somehow being expected to at least expecting myself to do all of those things very well. Um, and so, so essentially that was the the second, you know, phase of, of what we've experienced. And then this week we've started to settle into what I call the new normal, um, and, and getting a little bit more in a rhythm and really understanding how we can all come together and work together, um, to, to meet the expectations of all of those around us. Yeah. I think it's so interesting to, to, hear your perspective because I remember when we were supporting clients and we were thinking about things like, you know, there's, there's a term we use in our, in our industry, go live a lot. So for those that may not be as familiar, what that means is when systems or implementations um, essentially turn on. And one thing I like to share with people is that essentially what happened across the world and across this nation was that every household and every parent um, or caretaker had to go through a go-live experience overnight. Um, and so immediately you're dealing with different technology, you're dealing with logons, you're dealing with passwords, you're dealing with content, you're dealing with time in front of, de- of a device. And I think, I was thinking back to, you know, our experience together, Casey, in, in supporting large government agencies as they went through go-live, right? Those days of, what's my logon? I forgot my password. How do I access it? It's timing out. All of those same things, um, came to the forefront for me. Was it like that when you <clears throat> were home with the kids? And I'm I'm imagining, you know, I'm I'm not a parent. I have no no little ones running around this apartment with with me in Seattle. Um, but I do come from a large family, so I've talked to a lot of people in their experience. But what was it like with all the the new pivot and and the kids and and I'm assuming devices. I, I imagine they all had to look at stuff. Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So uh, I think that, um, again, every family is a little different. But in my case, as I mentioned, I had a second grader and two kindergartners and the kindergartners have different teachers. And so the the approach that the school district took was um, really relying on the teachers to be the communicators so that they would feed the information down to the teachers and then they would turn around and message it um, to all of the parents. So what that meant, though, for me is that uh, I was receiving sometimes the same, sometimes different, or sometimes just slightly the same, but few nuances different for each student times three. So um, in any given day, I was receiving three to five emails for each 
student. Um, so that was 15 emails a day. And I'm having to comb through and try to weed through and try to understand. And and in those emails, it contained um some really critical information around here's the technology we're going to want the students to use. Here's how you're going to access it. All of those critical um, of data data points. And what I what I found was that they were trying to rely on technology um, for each subject. So they had an app for science, an app for math, a few apps for in, um, English and writing because one was for for books, one was for uh, the writing component. And then they had um, a, a separate website that tried to explain everything. And then they had a, a broader platform that you had to log into to access everything. And all of this had different usernames and different passwords. Um, it, 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 so what it quickly became was something that was unmanageable from a parent's perspective because I had all of that times three. Um, and I'm not alone. I, in our district, I know a lot of families that have quite a l- large you know, number of children and around the same age group. So I can only imagine. And, and the, the other piece that I think the school, um, I'm, I'm certain they're aware of it. They're, they're amazing. And we certainly gave them a lot of grace because they're responding to this just as we are. Um, but kiddos that are at least second grade and under, they can't really achieve a lot of this without direct supervision. So it, it's not that we can just say, okay, um, you know, can you go here, look at your homework and complete the task? You have to actually show them how, navigate there, get the video up and running. Once the video is done, show them what they need to, to do and what app to go to. So it, it requires a lot of parental involvement. And, um, and that was something that I think that, you know, they did a good, they're doing a good job. My school district is doing a really good job of, of catering to the lowest um, common denominator from a student perspective. I think that there's, they were doing a lot of review, a lot of very basic instructions so that those students who are struggling before aren't um, really struggling now um, from a competency perspective. Um, but what, what they, they didn't, factor in is the complexity of homes, of households, and how do we um, how do we make this as simple as possible for the most complex homes where there isn't a parent that has, you know, a stay-at-home parent, where there, there are many students um, that are very young. You know, how do we ensure that those families um, are going to be successful with um, the new environment that we're setting up? Yeah, I think it's a really important um, observation to share. I mean, the, you know, one of the things that, that a lot of times we bring into the work that we do is, um, I think sometimes it's called systems thinking, or I, I sometimes refer to it as implications thinking, right? Which is that aspect of go to the most complex scenario and, and, and plan with that in mind and see where things fall short or things fall down or there's a gap in communication. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's that old adage of like, you know, um, hope for the best and plan for the worst. There's somewhere in the middle there. Right. Um, so knowing what, you know, you all have experienced, have you had a chance to, to talk with other parents in the district, in the neighborhood, um, you know, connect with principals? Like how is this evolving? Cause one of the things we always learn in any sort of change is, you know, each day we we've learned more than we knew the day before, and I and I think it's important that everybody remember that and give themselves grace in this. Is there really was no textbook for how to do this, um, and so we're learning every day. I'm curious from from where you sit. Um, is there 
are there ways in which people are sharing some lessons learned? Absolutely. Um, and I've been, I think to your point, grace is a key word where it's certainly easy to sit back and throw stones, but this is, you know, a perfectly imperfect scenario. And, and, and to your point, it really is evolving and where we're at today versus two weeks ago is, is vastly different. And so, um, I think the best feedback loop I've found so far is just direct communication interaction with the teachers. Um, but it's, it's trying to take attack of, you know, not lower looping, not focusing on what's not working, but but identifying what is working and and seeing if we can do more of that. Um, and so, one of the things that I've always um, espoused in in my craft is the the importance of simplicity. And and you'll see that industry wide. You look at you know the Lean Sigma focus on how can we take a process or a system and eliminate any unnecessary steps. How do we smooth that out as quickly as possible? And um, and what I have observed um, through this process with the, working with the schools is that there's been a, a heavy, heavy reliance on technology, but, um, but technology is an amazing tool, but it doesn't have to be the answer. Um, and, and sometimes when you introduce technology, you're introducing a level of complexity, whereas technology by nature should be introduced to enable efficiency or streamline operations. Um, and you have to be very careful. And that's why there's always planning that's required, um, you know, before any large scale system implementation. And so what I've observed is really the output um, of, of not having enough time to plan. And therefore, what you end up with is a technology solution that um, that isn't enabling that efficiency and that um, that speed or, or effective communication, but instead is creating its own barriers. Um, and so, the feedback loop I've given to the the parent, or excuse me, to the teachers, is that um, it's very important to have one place that we can go for information. And um, sorry, my dogs are barking. If you can hear that, welcome, welcome to virtual. Welcome life, to the new right? world. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, but it's the simplicity is. Sorry, I got a little off track there because um, the dog's barking. No worries. Um, but but having a sim a single platform where you can go for information is critical. But then what I have found is rather than, especially for younger age groups, rather than saying then go to this app, log into here you know, do so on and so forth, instead saying, print this out. And when you're done with it, take a picture and upload it. And that's, and so my feedback to them is, is simply, can we just make everything printable, you know, so that parents have two options, either they can, you know, go through the apps and do everything that you're asking them, or they can just print out the assignment. And, um, and so what I've learned from, for, for our family, what works best is I spend a few hours every Sunday evening printing everything out, um, getting, you know, by the day I label, by the day I have folders for each child. And so each morning it's a lot more smooth um, because we're relying less on technology and instead going to one place, doing our lessons, and then we have our printable activity. So that's just an example of um, that we still are leveraging technology, but we're simplifying it so that we only have really one, one app or one website we're going to. And then the rest is, um, is, is, you know, getting back to basics and just using basic worksheets and, and doing your work that way. Yeah. I think that's such a, a, a powerful example of, and I hadn't really thought about that until you, you, you expressed it that way, which is, you know, for so long, 
we've all been trained, and I think the human mind kind of expects this, we're, we're trained in sort of a linear way. And so when you add the complexity of multiple systems and multiple screens, and, you know, even when you're working on a device, it's not, it's not like you can see two screens at once. I mean, you could sort of do the split screen, but that doesn't op, that's not an optimal experience for anybody learning. And so I, I think it's really powerful how you said, is there a way, and it's not like this wasn't allowed, but maybe nobody thought about it. Is there a way that we can allow printable, we can get the same exercise done and we can use the technology to take a picture and upload. So it's still enabling it, but it, it itself is not um, the only platform in which to get the learning done. And I think that's, that's really great to hear because what it's encouraging me as I think about it is creativity, right? There's, there's some guidelines and there's some, hey, what we're trying to achieve is this outcome with this intent. How you get there, be creative. See what works for your learning style. See what works for your family. Um, I would love for you also to share, You when we talked last week, you had said there was some sort of silver lining stuff in this um, and some of the things that you were seeing with, with your girls. Um, can you share some of that? Because that, that gave me a lot of hope in terms of some of the things that you're seeing, um, I would almost say new neural pathways that are, that are occurring for kids. Absolutely. And I think that um, that has been an amazing silver lining. And um, I would say the first week, because we had zero requirements from the school district, I would say that's really where we started to get creative because um, certainly we don't, you know, as a family and as a household technology, um, especially kiddos in front of screens is something we actually actively seek to avoid. Um, and so I started to think with, with my husband, how can we use what we have in our home to be creative. Um, and so a few things that we've done is number one, uh, we have given our children just buckets of time where, where, where they can use it how they want. Uh, but they, but there's certain boundaries, right? You can't use technology, you know, it, it, you need to, um, you need to stay, you know, do something safe. We can't have you running around the neighborhood. You know, there's some, but, but what I have found is just by giving them unstructured time, they have really blossomed. They have been, they've been playing independently. They have been using their imaginations far more than, um, than what I have observed in the past. They're pulling out toys that they've never played with or haven't played with in a, quite a while and, and getting creative with them. They were building marble maze runs and, and other things that, and that was a toy that sat on the shelf for a long time. And, and what I've learned from that is sometimes you have to create the time and create the space to let, you know, let people, you know, grow in the ways they need to. And so in this example, it's my kiddos, give them time and space to play and, and they will. And, and so that is a silver lining that I would like to carry forward um, into, you know, say when the world starts back up, so to speak, um, I'd like to really reinforce that that time where you know you you we build it into our busy day, um, and then they can actually play. Um, another example is we have Play-Doh. What household with young children doesn't? And um, and so I picked out three household objects and I set it in front of the girls and I said, okay, each of you get to pick three colors of Play-Doh. You get to pick whatever household object you want and you have to recreate it. It's art. I want to see you be creative. You can use whatever colors you want. You don't have to do an exact replica, but I, I want you to be able to show me what you've created, you know, based off of what you're seeing in front of you. And I mean, they spent an hour on it and their creations, I was blown away. 
And, and so that's just another example of, of, of ways that we can get away from technology and, and, and really let the, the kids drive, you know, how they want to grow and, and expand. Um, and, and it's really reminded me that as a parent, it's, it's a lot easier to just say, just go upstairs and play with your iPad or go upstairs and watch TV. Um, but it, but it doesn't really take that much more effort to just say, Hey, why don't you do this, this, and this, or, you know, last week we had an engineering day where I, I had them come up with a strategy for how they'd build a fort and what tools they would use and items they would use. And then they, I gave them an hour and then they had to show me their creation, you know, and they, they get so into this. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite easy and it required zero effort on my part other than just spending two minutes with them setting it up. So I think it's a good reminder as parents to to try to get outside our own routine and our own, um, you know, lowest common denominator behavior, which I'm guilty of, you know, what's easy, I'm tired, they can be entertained by TV versus, you know, getting a little more creative. And, and I've had a heck of a lot of fun with my kids this last month. Yeah, I think it's just such a beautiful story to share. Um, you know, it reminded me of when, when we were probably younger, and just the amount of this has just been kind of my observation, but the, it feels like we had more space uh, in our, in our day. Mm -hmm. um, and this is not a judgment at all around the structuring of days for, for children and, and in schools these days. Um, but it seems like, and even in my own experience, um, you know, the, the calendar was, it was, and has been so structured um, that it doesn't leave a lot of that uh, liminal space for imagination and for, for wonderment is what I would call it. And I'm finding in my own experience, and I think this is something that as a collective, a lot of people are encountering um, with kids and, and, and households. You know, I've, I've talked to a few uh, nephews and nieces and even some uncles and aunts. And, um, you know, on the, on the, um, there, there are adults who are starting to write poetry and they, they never really felt yeah. like they had the opportunity or permission to. And, they're sitting in the stillness and they're being very creative. And I think there are also children who are doing like what you're describing, you know, the power of Plato and making forts and, and even things like Minecraft. It's been really interesting talking to yeah. some of my nephews and nieces who I've never played Minecraft. I understand how it works. I've read some stories about even college students going in and recreating their campuses on Minecraft because they can't be on their campuses. And, you know, I was on a call the other day, uh, over the Easter, over the Easter weekend. And my, my nieces and nephews basically said that they're building um, grandma and grandpa's apartment in Minecraft because they can't go visit grandma and grandpa right now um, because of the social distancing. And it just, it just kind of gave you a sense of, of warmth in your heart that like there, there are children that are using ways to imagine, um, be it with technology or without um, things that are important to them. And um, I think in, in this time, that's what's kind of coming up to the surface that I'm seeing, you know, be it through poetry or creation um, of physical matter, uh, which just, you know, to me, there's a silver lining in there. And I'm, I'm excited to explore that. Um, I would love to pivot Agreed. a little bit because I think this is a, a perfect um, area to jump into. And I'd love to talk about Wonder Mama. And I'd like to read the description <laughs> from LinkedIn of your amazing company. So it reads, Wonder Mama was born from the idea that every working mom needs more encouragement and support while they navigate this complex, beautiful, and ever-surprising world of motherhood. 
In an era where we are surrounded by social media comparisons, picture of parenting perfection, the feeling that we really should get it together, I believe that we can be easily torn apart by mama guilt and judgment from others as we attempt to progress our profession and simultaneously parent our children. So that's part of the description of this amazing uh, company and idea that you've created. Um, you talk about being able to leverage best practices to achieve smoother parenting experience. You talked about simplification before and the ability to eliminate certain things and simplify things rather than just adding to a very full plate. Um, tell us about Wonder Mama. I think it's so interesting that this is all happening, you know, a year or so after you created this company and this idea and you're living it day in and day out. I would love for you to share some of it because I think there's going to be uh, a number of mothers listening and fathers probably as well um, who will get a lot of inspiration out of this. Oh, thanks, Bill. You know, I, it certainly is a labor of love. Um, and, and it was born because as, as you captured, I, I was not, I was not prepared when I became a mother to feel guilty. I always, and the way I've described it, because I love what I do. I love um, dedicating time to it. And I've always worked. I've, I've taken maternity leave, certainly, but I've never had long periods of time off. Um, it's just part of my DNA. And I know a lot of working parents can relate to that, where it's not just a matter of finance. It's a matter of personal and professional fulfillment um, that, that you're not wanting to give that sense of self up. And I think it's very important for, for parents to, to really be connected with who they are um, in above and beyond being a parent, which arguably is the most important piece of that self, but, um, but it's just one of, of many layers that, that makes up an individual. And so uh, what I discovered as I was growing into that role as a working mother is that that mom guilt was paralyzing. Um, I felt like I was never able to uh, to, I was never able to give my full self to any one area of my life. And, and I felt myself trying to do that. I felt myself trying to be the best mom I could be, the perfect mom, the perfect professional, the perfect wife. And what I ended up doing in my head was I felt like I was running this race. It was, I was sprinting, but I was going through a marathon and I was never reaching the finish line. And I always felt like I was letting somebody down. If I was giving my all at work, I wasn't there for my kiddos. And if I was there with my kiddos, but my husband, and I hadn't spoken all day, you know, so, um, and, and so I quickly had to realize that that quest for perfection was, um, tied intrinsically to the mom guilt and that I needed to be okay with not being perfect. And I needed to be okay with recognizing that, um, that there, there, there wasn't enough space in a day to, to achieve everything I wanted to, um, in order to fulfill that, that vision of perfection that I had created in my head. And so what I started to do was explore what I, what, what steps I could take to grow so that I wasn't setting my own self up for failure on a daily basis and, and ending up feeling that way on a regular basis. And what I learned through that, that journey is that it's very important to be clear on what your priorities are very clear on your boundaries um, and, and, and um, recognize that you can't have it all. You can have the things that are most important to you, but you have to be very careful with what those are. And then you have to be willing and ready to say no to everything else or no to most other things. And, and that's a daily 
struggles. So I, I'm constantly, as things come in, yes, just yesterday, I got a request for a fun little friend collaboration thing that you share, you know, personal recipes and everybody's creating a recipe book. And, and, um, and that's an example of, you know, is this filling my cup or taking away? And so I wrote my friend back and I was very kind because she's a lovely person. And I said, thank you for thinking of me. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm not going to participate in this activity at this time. And that's an example of, you know, if I would have added that onto my plate, I, that was, you know, one way that I would have felt like I was taking away from some other area of my life. And, and so as I started to connect with other working moms, I realized that they had a lot of the same feelings and that, um, and that all parents I'm sure feel this way. Um, I can't relate to stay at home parents. I I've always said it's not better or worse. It's different. It's a very different environment. And, and so I can't speak to the challenges that they face because I haven't lived that. Um, but what I, but what I realized is a lot of the working parents do feel, um, some of those same emotions and struggle in the same way I did. And so I really wanted to launch Wonder Mama to show that A, you know, working moms especially aren't alone, um, that B, there are some things that we can do to feel a little more centered. Um, and C, I felt like it was it was an important way to combine my my consulting experience and, and really leverage that and apply that to my my personal life. And um, you know, just simple efficiency tactics, you know, how do you manage your inbox? That's something that uh, as parents, we have our own personal emails and that's where we get a lot of information about um, how to raise kiddos and how do we manage our personal inboxes? You know, and I found that a lot of the behaviors that I had started to master in my professional world, I wasn't following that same practice in my personal world. So, um, so it really, as I mentioned, is a labor of love. Now I will say the irony, if you do go to Wonder Mama, you'll see that there are, I believe are three phenomenal blog posts and then it ends there. And, um, and what I found is as I was, as I was exploring this and building this, you should see the laundry list of topics that I want to write about. I, I all of a sudden felt overwhelmed. I all of a sudden felt like my cup was, you know, um, overflowing with to do's once again. And I found that I wasn't practicing what I was preaching that by adding wonder mama to my plate, because I want to help others and, and share, share those feelings and connect with others. I actually was taking away from the priorities that I've worked really hard to, to, um, focus on. So then, so I have actually then taken a mental pause and I said, okay, how can I get back centered? And so I stepped away from wonder mama for the last, I'd say eight months. Um, and I still have these blog posts in my head. I still have a lot of ideas that I want to keep going. I'm still investing in keeping that online. And, and, but I, but I felt like I wasn't being real to myself, um, by, by, you know, adding to my plate and having it as a source of, of, um, frustration or a source of overwhelm versus something that, that was filling my cup. So, um, so it's, it's an interesting journey. I think Wonder Mama is just a really good microcosm of just my journey as a mother in general. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful example and a beautiful story. And I, one of the things I heard that you talked about, which I think is really important to echo. And, um, I think this, this, um, occurs regardless of parent or gender is the importance of, um, navigating what, what I've read, or I've, I, I might've, uh, a, a, adopted or adapted from something I read called the sacred yeses and the sacred no's. And, um, and I think it's important for people to understand that 
when something becomes a no, it doesn't always have to become a no forever. It, it can be a no right now um, or just it's not the time right now. And I love the example that you gave about, you know, um, your own company and your own intellectual, you know, capital and thought leadership around this, which is, you know, you've got several more blogs in you. You've got so many more um, experiences to share. It doesn't mean that that that'll never, never be out there. It's just right now, um, there are other things that are in the sacred yes category. Um, and I think it's also really important to, to name the fact that sometimes life comes, right? We're seeing this a, on a global scale now. Life comes in a way that um, forces us to slow down and think about yeah. things. And uh, who knows, right? By taking the pause, like you said, there may be some reflections and learnings that are f- even more powerful on the other side of all of this that you get to share through Wonder Mama. And I will, I will just call out. I love the logo. I'm gonna, I'm gonna encourage people to go look at the logo. Um, it's got. I'll do my best to describe it, but you can as well. Uh, it's got this very like powerful Wonder Woman stance, which I, which I love. Um, you got the briefcase uh, slung over the shoulder. You've got the uh, the carriage, sort of the baby carriage, right there by one hand. You've got the dog on a leash on another, and you've got the kiddo down at, down at your you know down at your feet, um, either reading a book or looking at a device. And then, of course, the beautiful sweeping cape behind um, this this Wonder Woman stance. So, can you tell us a little bit about the logo? Because I love it; it just captures so much. <laughs> Thank you. You know, um, I love it too. Um, and I appreciate that my graphic designer I've worked with for years, um, and she's just amazing. And, um, and it was, it was so much fun to create. That was actually the first, I did the polar opposite of what you do when you start a business. And I focused entirely on the logo to begin with, which is, (laughs) um, because I just had it in my head and, um, but it really, it's, it's a representation of me, but it's a representation of, of all parents. Um, I would say, because, you know, you literally, I felt like I would, you know, you, you, like you're Superman, you're wearing a suit and then you take it off and you're wearing, um, you know, a, a superhero outfit because you're doing something else. And then you flip around and, you know, and you're, um, I mean, I'll never forget, you know, being on conference calls. There was one time I had, I was nursing my twins while I was on a conference call while I was taking notes and, um, you know, and, and it, it's, it's just, you have to be very, very, you have to be very good about juggling multiple things. Um, but just like all jugglers, you, you, the, you add one, one too many balls and everything drops. And so, um, you know, but I think it's, it's really fun to see. And you, you just, um, you, I see it right now. I'm sitting in my office and I have a window and I, I look out and I see people walking by, you know, and they're, um, they have a baby, they have a dog, they're on the phone. And, and oftentimes, you know, a lot of people rush to judgment. Um, and that's really where I think Wonder Mama, I'm, I'm really hopeful that, you know, that other moms can, can grow in the same space is that you, you don't know what people's journeys are. And so just by looking um, at a mom who is on the phone, you know, with a baby carriage, before I had kids, I literally was that girl judging, thinking, why can't you just focus on your child? Why do you have to be on your phone on social media? Because that was my initial um, you know, that's the conclusion I had jumped to when I see that. And what I want people to know when they look at that logo is that, you know, that, that there's a lot we're juggling, but, but, um, we're doing it the best we can. And, um, and I really just, I think that we have to meet people where they're at. And, um, 
and everybody's journey is different. Everybody's journey is beautiful. Uh, and, um, and that, that it will feel like you have so much on your plate because that's just part of this wacky time of our lives as we are, you know, raising kids and, and growing in our careers. Um, but that if you stop and give yourself a pat on the back and recognize you're doing an incredible job, recognizing that you may not be doing it all perfectly, but you're doing a lot and you're not giving yourself enough credit, you know? So it's almost my way of, of even building myself up because again, you know, as I mentioned before, I think I at least personally have the tendency of focusing on my failures or where I feel like I'm not succeeding versus looking at all of the amazing things that I am doing. Um, and, and so it's a good reminder to us all that, that we actually are pretty amazing and we're, um, and we are heroes in our own ways and, um, and let's not let our crown slip, right? Let's, you know, rem- remind ourselves that how much we've accomplished versus focusing on what we're not doing. I love that. And I, I will, I will say that, you know, one of the things I'm often reminded, um, about, uh, superheroes is every superhero has a story of origin. And in between that yeah. story of origin and where and where they get to, there's a journey. Um, so thank you so much, Casey, for sharing your story of origin um, on all this amazing work yes. that you're doing. Um, I really appreciate it. This was such a vibrant, inspirational, and in- informative conversation um, that I hope, and I know, frankly, it's, yes, I hope, but I know that a lot of people will benefit from. So thank you again. Um, where can people find out about you? Can they, can they go to a website? Can they find you on LinkedIn? I think there may be a lot of people who may want to reach out. I would, I would love to hear from any and everybody. Um, and, and thank you for that opportunity. So, um, my, my, my consulting company is called ck2consulting.com is the um, website. So you are welcome to reach out that way. And all of my contact information, um, is available there. Uh, wondermama, uh, dot life, uh, is the website for Wonder Mama. And again, my contact information is there. And then um, I'm available on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Um, so I please reach out. Um, I, I would love to connect with other professionals here, you know, share in, in struggles, share in, um, in, in professional goals and, and um, journeys. Uh, it, it really, it, it, it warms my heart to, to have those connections, especially right now when we are all very socially distant. So um, I look forward to hearing from some of you personally. Thank you so much, Casey, for joining um, and sharing that. Um, uh, a lot of a lot of wisdom, frankly, um, that 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 you've lived. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Bill. The pleasure is truly mine. I really appreciate this. This has been amazing. Great. Thank you. Thanks.